If there is a book that's kind of the capstone of what Paul has written, um, it's Romans. And if there is a chapter in Romans 8 that's the capstone of the book of Romans, it is Romans 8. Did I say that right? Romans 8 is kind of the highest point of what uh, Paul is trying to say to us. Because, you know, remember Romans 7? We stopped with wretched man that I am, you know, um, Now in Romans 8, we can get that tape out of our heads and start thinking about how we can live fearlessly. Live fearlessly. So let me pray for us and we'll get rolling. Incidentally, I'm Bobby Crotty. For some of you that I don't know, I know a bunch of the guys at Summit because I've had the privilege of leading um, what we do here at Summit for uh, since uh, 2007. And so uh, um, I'm excited to have the opportunity to be up here with you. Next week, we've got Wagner coming up here to talk about Romans 9 through 11. And that will be a treat that you don't want to miss, okay? So let me pray and we'll get rolling. Lord, thanks for the privilege of coming together as a bunch of men to talk about how we can live fearlessly under the control of your spirit and for the cause of Christ. And so, Father, help us be the men that you designed us to be. Not timid, not shy, not ashamed, not even wretched anymore, but men living fearlessly for the cause of Christ. So thanks for this time, and thanks for each one of these guys who uh, are here with us today. And we pray, Father, that the rest of the guys will come back. In Christ's name, amen. All right, so, wretched man that I am, we can put that aside And we can move on to see what Romans 8 has to say to us. It begins with a great declaration. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay? So we're not stuck on wretched man that I am, but we've been set free, Paul tells us, uh, at the end of Romans 7, um, by Christ. And now we're set free to live fearlessly under the control of the Holy Spirit and for the cause of Christ. And if you'll put the, uh, there's my uh, chart. Remember, we're filling this out. We're halfway done in filling this out. And guys, if you will do this faithfully, then at the end of Romans, you will have something that will help you have Romans locked into your brain. And so I titled chapter 8, Secure. And at the end, we're going to talk about how we are secure in Christ, okay? And that there is nothing that can separate us from Christ's love. And I picked uh, verses 1 and 38 and 39. Of course, 38 and 39 are our memory verses uh, as the key verses for the chapter. And here's how I broke it up. 1 through 11, there's no condemnation. We see that in uh, Romans 8, 1. And in verses uh, 12 through 17, there's no obligation. We are not debtors to the flesh anymore, but we're called to live under the control of the Spirit. And then in verses 18 through 30, you know, there is no comparison between um, where we are today, the things that we're going through today, and the glory that is to be revealed to us. And then finally, in 31 through 39, there's no separation. Nothing can separate us from the uh, love of Christ. I hope you've been doing your workbooks, too, because... Uh, This week on page 57, John MacArthur has a great statement in here that kind of summarizes what we're going to be talking about today. And that is that uh, there can be no success or progress in the Christian life apart from utter dependence on the third person of the Trinity. 
Let me read that again. There can be no success or progress in the Christian life apart from utter dependence on the third person of the Trinity. You know, that doesn't leave us a lot of wiggle room. This isn't something that we can do on our own. You know, we see, we've seen what happens when we do things on our own. That's where we end up as wretched men. But under the control of the Holy Spirit, we can be different. We can live fearlessly for the cause of Christ. And so let's take a couple of minutes and just review for some of you. And maybe for, uh, for some of you, this will be new stuff. But let's talk about who is the Holy Spirit. And uh, um, how do I relate to him? How can I be filled with the Spirit? How can I know if it's leading of the Spirit or bad tacos uh, that I'm feeling? Okay? What does he do? Let's talk about these things. Okay? So, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, first, he's deity. One of the questions in the workbook, uh, John MacArthur uh, asked us, uh, um, what were the names of the Spirit in this uh, uh, chapter? And even uh, his names in Romans 8 show us that he is God. Uh, He's called the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of life. He possesses attributes that only God possesses. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. And he does things that only God can do. Participated in the virgin birth. He was an agent of creation. Uh... The inspiration of Scripture, that's under the control of the Holy Spirit. At the same time, though, he's also a person. And we can relate to him as a person. He's not this just impersonal force, may the force be with you sort of thing, but he is indeed a person. He has intelligence, he shows feelings, he has a will, he exhibits the actions of a person, and he even receives actions as a person because he can be lied to, He can be resisted, he can be grieved, he can be insulted. And you know, he relates to um, other persons as a person and even to the other members of the Godhead, the other members of the Trinity in a personal sort of way. And so this raises the question, how do I relate to him? Well, the good news is that every believer at the point of salvation, is permanently indwelled by the Holy Spirit. So if you have trusted Christ, then the Spirit of God lives in you, and it can't be taken away. And believers are also filled with the Holy Spirit when they're living under his control. You know, in uh, Ephesians 5.18, Paul commands us to be filled with the Spirit, He says, uh, and he compares it with being drunk with wine versus being filled with the Spirit. We're not to be drunk with wine, but we are to be filled with the Spirit. And it's a command that he gives us. Okay, so it's obviously something that we can lose. And how do we do that? Well, um, how can I be filled with the Spirit? Well, the first thing is you have to be sin-free. Now, this doesn't mean that we stop sinning. And that once we've trusted in Christ, we'll no longer sin again. You know, can I get an amen on that? I mean, we all know that even after you've trusted Christ, you still have uh, that old nature that uh, does battle with uh, your new nature, okay? And if we give in to it, then we are going to commit sins. But we can be filled with the Spirit when we confess those sins, when we have no known, unconfessed sin in our lives, 
First John one nine says, First um, John one nine uh, used to be in my memory, but it just uh, left. It says, it, um, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, you know, guys, it's the opportunity by keeping short accounts with God to say, Father, I just screwed up. Forgive me. Christ has already paid the the price for that sin on the cross. But you have to appropriate the uh, forgiveness by simply being back under the control of the Spirit by confessing that sin. That's all it takes. And when we confess, this doesn't mean that, hey, we've got to be uh, weeping and feeling sorry. But confession is simply a, a word in the Greek that means that we agree with the Father that what we did was wrong. It fell short of his standards. Okay, so no unconfessed sin, known unconfessed sin in your life. Okay, so you grieve the Holy Spirit when you have, uh, let me say that a different way. You grieve the Spirit when you have known sin in your life and you're refusing to deal with it. Okay, and so uh, we're encouraged uh, in Scripture not to grieve the Holy Spirit. And so keep short accounts. We're also called to be submissive. And, you know, guys, that's simply a question of whose offense am I going to run? Am I going to run my own offense that leads to being a wretched man? Or am I going to run an offense that produces uh, someone who is able to live fearlessly for the cause of Christ? Whose offense are you going to run? And so don't quench the Holy Spirit by repeatedly saying no to his leading. Okay, so you grieve the Holy Spirit when you've got known sin in your life and you're not dealing with it. And you quench the Holy Spirit when you say no to what he's calling you to do. And finally, be dependent. And that requires knowledge from studying the Word like we're doing here. It requires faith and it also requires trust that his way is the better way. And so how can I know if leading of the... if what I'm feeling or thinking or wanting to do is leading of the Spirit, or, as I said, bad tacos. Well, that can be a hard thing to discern sometimes. And we're told in 1 John 4, 1, that we're to test the spirits. We're to uh, figure out if uh, it's leading of the Spirit or something else. And, you know, there's a simple test. Leading of the Spirit will always be in conformity with the Word of God. Always, every time. But you know, there's some areas that Scripture doesn't address. And so what do you do in those areas? Well, are you walking closely with Christ so that you can hear His voice? Does what you're thinking about doing line up with the counsel of other godly men? Does what you're thinking about doing call you to uh, greater faith and trust in Christ? And does it move me out of my comfort zone where I have to depend more on Christ? Or does it leave me fat, dumb, and happy sitting there just being able to wallow around in what I really want to do? Those are things that you can apply in the council, uh, in the, in connection with community as you live your life. And that's why we call you to live in biblical community because sometimes it's hard to tell. And the opportunity to, uh, have a Bob Rudy in your life 
that's saying, hey, you're being an idiot here. Um, that's, uh, you know, I don't know whether it's sometimes um, the voice of the Holy Spirit or the voice of Bob Rudy, but both of them are telling me I'm being an idiot. So I can um, usually uh, be able to decipher that. So even in those gray areas, God has not left us without being able to hear the voice and the leading of the Spirit. So what does the Spirit do? Well, there are a ton of uh, things that uh, he does. In a good systematic theology, like this is Ryrie's basic theology, has uh, uh, several chapters on the uh, Holy Spirit and his ministries and whatnot. So you can check that in, in there. But I want to highlight today four of them. First, he teaches. Take a look at John 16, 12 through 15. And in our own passage, he guides. Romans 8, 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God, led by the Spirit of God. So he guides us. And then he also prays and intercedes for us. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So he prays and intercedes for us. And the final one I want to highlight this morning is that he assures us. In Romans 8.16, it says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And you know, this was so important that Paul both began and ended Romans 8 with that concept. There's no condemnation and there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And so, the Spirit is the final assurance that nothing can separate us from God's love because the Spirit himself is God, and he indwells us permanently. Romans eight eleven says, If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Okay, so this chapter closes in verses... Uh, um, 31 through 39 with seven questions. Did you notice that? Here are the questions. In 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? You know, there is a recipe for living fearlessly right there, knowing that God is on your side. And so what can anybody else do to us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Next question. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? Who is the one who condemns? And the last two questions. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? You know, Paul had experienced most of those himself. And then he goes on in 38 and 39 to list 10 more things that can't separate us uh, from the love of Christ, the love of God expressed in Christ. So we're set free to live fearlessly for the cause of Christ. And I want to show you a little clip here of a, uh, a book about a guy named Adam Brown. 
Adam Brown was a Navy SEAL. He was killed in action in Afghanistan in 2010. And uh, there's been a book written about his life called Fearless. You know, um, Adam Brown is a great illustration of what we've been talking about the last two weeks. Because at one point in his life, he was a wretched man. He was addicted to crack cocaine. He uh, uh, was charged with 11 different felonies. But then God got a hold of him in a way that transformed his life. And from there, from the, the bottom of the pit, um, charged with 11 felonies, he rose to become not only a Navy SEAL, but a SEAL, a SEAL Team 6 Navy SEAL. Lost his life in Afghanistan. I've been reading a book called Fearless, and it just fits so well with what we're talking about today, living fearlessly for Christ. And you know, Adam was transformed by the power of Christ. And he uh, and his wife together uh, had a marriage that was unbelievable. It wasn't perfect, but it was one that was informed by living for Christ, both of them together. And the, the stories in there about them praying for different things together and whatnot is amazing. So watch this clip. And so, guys, what would it look like if we lived fearlessly? How would that impact your family, your neighborhood, this church? your community, your workplace. What would that look like if we live fearlessly under the control of the Holy Spirit for the cause of Christ? You know, it said that Adam Brown was ready. He was ready for whatever life brought him. He was also ready for death because he knew his Savior and he was living uh, for him under control of the Holy Spirit. We can be those sort of men because that's what God designed us to be, men who will live fearlessly for the cause of Christ. That's our challenge. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for the uh, eighth chapter of the uh, book of Romans and for its call to live under the control of your spirit and its call to live fearlessly for the cause of Christ. And so may we be men who take up this challenge, who are willing to live today fearlessly for the cause of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.